Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello there, Tiffany here with one of our last episodes of Yalla Rocks for the bundle season. Today I have with me Nefertiti, who along with Sumaya, Amar Garcia, Tammy Johnson, Kazuma, Cynthia, and Hanan L have agreed to put the Belly Dancers Call to Action into this year's bundle. This event was organized in the summer of 2020 and is a must listen for all dancers who are working to unpack their privilege. It is a chance for black and brown dancers to share their lived experiences and knowledge around racism in our dance community. Nefertiti goes into why now was the time to put this panel together and what those of us with privilege can begin to do right now to be better. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we're here with Nefertiti. Nefertiti, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the podcast and for agreeing to be part of the bundle this year. I'm so thankful for your time. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I cannot wait. So thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. So can you give us a little bit of your background? How did you get into this dance form? You know, what do you do outside of this dance form? Because I know that's a big part um, of, of your life and what you do and share with us kind of how, how did belly dance take over your life? Girl, we don't have enough time, but I'm going to give you the answer. <laughs> give me the short story. <laughs> All right. So I've been uh, dancing since I was 10. Um, I actually started um, doing Native American dance and I started with jingle dress dancing and that's how I started. I am half Indian, half African American and so I did a lot of powwows and competition and so I've been dancing since I was 10 actually professionally as a, as a hobby because in, in my culture, you know, it was a... Um, don't be too good at dancing. You need to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, something besides a dancer. <laughs> so that's how it kind of started. And I had a, a relative that came over and from the Middle East, this was about, I guess I was 11. And I saw her dance you know, at a family function. And I was just in love. You know, the way she moved her hips or I just fell in love. I, I can't even describe it. She was from Syria. And I was like, I want to do that. I don't know what it is, but I want to do it. And so, you know, I, 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 at 11 years old, I tried to get someone to teach me. I, I 
try to get lessons. And I really didn't get into the actual art of rock turkey, probably until I was in my 20s, actually after my father had passed, because he was adamant about me not being the entertainment kind of daughter. It was something that he did not want. He wanted me to, to have a legacy of helping my people, my family, and not entertaining people. So it wasn't until he passed that I was like, well, you're in the ground now. So. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's horrible, but you gotta get it. So I kind of like, okay, dad, forgive me, but I'm gonna dance. <laughs> and so um, I've been dancing since, I guess, as professional rock star key dancer, uh, probably since almost 30 years, probably now. So I'm old as crap, but. I'm still hanging on, Tiffany. I'm still hanging on her. I would hardly <laughs> say that. And during that time, you've you've run the Jewels of the Orient Festival as well, correct? That's that's your yeah. festival. Yeah, I do. So, um, you know, I got divorced. I'm 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 remarried. I'm a mom of uh, four kids. We have five grandkids. And when I got divorced, you know, I was one of those women that did this crazy thing where I like honestly like threw a dart, and I went to Egypt. And I lived there for a long time. And when I and I, I danced, I worked with amazing masters and got involved in the, the festival scene at Nile Group, you know, learning the, how they do things. And um, when I got back to the US two weeks before the uprising, I noted that there was a um, there was a an absence of that type of festival, the Egyptian style kind of festival where I lived in Delaware. So I started that and I kind of, the model was the novel festival more or less, you know, having competitions, bringing in world-class instructors from Egypt, um, making it a three-day event. But then, you know, I added, you know, lots of after parties and, you know, you know, just craziness because that's just kind of who I am. And so we were running that um, up until three years ago when I, I had some knee surgery and had to back out to get some healing on my knees. I think after all these years, you know, I've had four surgeries and three years on my knees. So they're shocked to heck, but I'm still trying. <laughs> so I run the jewels of the Orient Festival and, and belly dance is, you know, it's a business, you know, I have a business of it. Um, it is a hobby that I do. And, and from that hobby, I made it a business. Mm -hmm. um, and then my, my nine to five job, I'm a clinical sexologist, sexual scientist and researcher. And so I talk and I travel all over the world talking about sex and sex education and gender identity and science and research and working with pharmaceutical companies and running a school that teaches clinical sexologists all over the world. And so that's what I do. It's awesome. And it, it definitely, I feel like, informs the way that I've heard you speak in the past, right? As an educator, no matter where you're coming into it, right? As in the dance, in sexology, in, right, what we're about to talk about with the Belly Dancers Call to Action is you come at it as an educator. I, absolutely, I do, yeah. I just kind of fall back on, no matter how much I want to get away from it, because I'm like, that's ah, boring as heck when you talk about educating. I just kind of go back into that wheelhouse, but that's what I know, and I'm comfortable with that. So that is what I do. And um, so belly dancing and sexology, you know, people are like, oh, don't mix the two. Well, yeah, I do mix the two, you know, in my classes, you know, I, I talk about the pelvic floor and 
um, and how to help if you have a leaky bladder and what to do with this and that. So I, I do mix the two and it's always from an educational standpoint. That's why I'm long-winded. So cut me off at any time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to let you go because you have such amazing things to share. So let's dive into it. Your contribution to the bundle is um, an event that you helped put together this past summer called the Belly Dancers Call to Action, uh, which features multiple panelists and addresses racism in the dance community through, as we said here, like an educational format. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what the Belly Dancers Call to Action is from your perspective and why this was the time to put it together? Sure, I can. So I'm gonna digress and talk about the latter first, the latter being discrimination and racism and, and belly dance. Now, in this art form, like I've mentioned, I've been in for 30 years. When I didn't see anyone that looked like me, straight up, you know, I'm on the East Coast, um, and I saw no one that resembled my skin tone. When I was in New York, you know, there was a teacher that I studied with, and I was discounted from my dance experience because well, you know, don't look at Nefertiti, you know, it's easier for some cultures, easier for some races. I still remember her words uh, because she's black. So it's easier for her. Discounting all the years and, and hours I put in training my body and my art, but because I'm a black woman, you know, we got rid of it, it's easy for us. That was my takeaway from that. And I really made me small. And I, I found myself in a world of white women in belly dance. For me, there was a disconnect because the people that I know in the art form outside this country were not all white women. They were women of color. There was a disconnect for me. And it's always been that. So seeing mm -hmm. women of color in this art form is like amazing. And going back to the jewels, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to also do the jewels was because I wanted to showcase women of color. So even before, you know, this whole thing about um, equality came out and talking about Black Lives Matter, part of the jewels of the Orient was to showcase diversity. And so to have an Asian um, teacher, a couple of, you know, African-Americans, uh, Hispanics, whites, it's important and it was never an afterthought, you know, not a slew of white women and one little black woman or man. I, that always, always applied to me. It's like the spot, you're giving us that spot, right? Mm -hmm. we, Cause we gotta make you guys kind of happy. That's how I read it. That could be wrong. I'm speaking for me, no other, nobody else, just me. So something that was really profound for me was this really showcasing diversity because there needs to be a level of relatability for young people you know, I'm much older now, for young people to look back and say, oh, I identify with her, this, this, that's my skin tone. You know, I think it's important that we have that level of relatability for us and for our generations coming up. Um, the call to action came about because of a lot of things, but primarily, it was with Anna Borisova. This is when it came out. And it was last year, the, um, about October of last year, actually. And one of my students 
noted that she had put out a, a page on Instagram and it was um, her dancing in blackface and referring to something about little monkeys and something like that. And it was painful to watch because a lot of dancers of color identified with Anna. Um, and I, you know, and, and why I won't get into, but they identified with her, not because she's Russian. I think it had to do with body type. You know, for my student, it was about a body type that she identified with. And they liked her dance style. And so they were really hurt. A lot of people were really hurt in the community, black dancers, dancers of color, but especially black dancers, because that's what I'm gonna talk about right now. Mm -hmm. We're really hurt. I did not know of her, I didn't follow her, but then I got involved because my students were hurt by it. So I'm like, who is she and why is she doing this? And then I got to see that a prominent figure in Russia would do this. And I've had run on Facebook a group that started about three years ago, um, Belly Dancers of Color Magic Group. And it was a safe space for black, brown dancers to come into and talk and share about their experiences um, what they needed, what they don't need, just as a group of like-minded individuals from all over the world that are of color that came together in this group. And the group just went into a fury of anger and frustration. From that, um, the group became very strong and there started to be at a, a push to really get black dancers, you know, dancing out, sharing their art, really being vocal. And in, after uh, the Black Lives Matter came to fruition, I think it was right after COVID, there was more of a sense of urgency and need. Say, hey, we're here. You need to understand your privilege. You need to understand why you're losing Black students. Because that was a common thing that you've heard from white teachers. Well. Oh, we don't have any black students. They, you know, they come for one or two sessions and they leave. Well, did you ever check to see what you may have said? Why they didn't feel included? Why they mm -hmm. walked away? You know, so there began to be a, a push within the black community, black audience community, to really be seen and be heard. And then Anna came up again with the, um, I think some kind of giveaway, again, something on, on, on Instagram. And it sparked another outrage because there were other prominent dancers from all over the world that were included in this showcase or giveaway with Anna being in it. And it just sparked a huge fury of anger from black, brown, dancers of color all over the world. And I, I got with my moderators, my team of dancers that I personally work with within the group. And I said, okay, we understand where this is going. And we understand the rage because we are enraged. And now it's time to address this not only for white dancers to hear the impact of racism in our community as dancers, to understand what they said and or didn't say, to share 
lived experiences from these dancers from all over the world. But also to put action steps, what the dance community can do to include and be proactive in promoting all races and genders and cultures. And a dance that does not belong to white women. I'm honest about that, I'm straight up. It does not belong to white women. And so within, I think this thing came out on like Thursday. And by Sunday, we had put together what we called the call to action, where we contacted eight different panelists from that were Moroccan, African American. Um, I think we had Asian, we had Asian, and then we had 17 people, dancers that also shared their lived experiences about racism that they had endured in this dance community from all over the world. Canada, the Middle East, um, uh, South and Central America, the Orient. It was huge. And this was on a Thursday and we went live that Sunday, like eight days later, we were live. We mm -hmm. put it together. It was, I have to say the team did an amazing job. It was flawless. Like the gods were like, yes. The ancestors were like, yes. <laughs> You know, it was flawless. I have to always say that. So when you're when you're getting it, to realize that this was put together in, in eight days with, you know, over 30 some odd people, it was not an easy feat, but um, it was amazing. So to the panelists, I'm always honored that they chose to trust me to give a platform for their voices. Because it matters, our voice matters for us now and our future dancers. And then I always have to acknowledge we had over a hundred white dancers from all over the world to want to listen. It was not a panel for them to have their voices heard. We didn't want to hear from them. This was about us now. Mm -hmm. And you're going to listen to us, whether you like it or not, you're going to listen and do with it as you will, but now you're listening. And so we were very clear about that. There was no interruption from them. They were not given the opportunity to share and to debate and or you know, go into the, the savior complex. This is where you're gonna listen. But better yet, we're gonna give you action steps to better our dance community. And let's look at giving this dance back to the dancers of origin. And I say that over and over again, because it does not belong to white women. It does not belong to white men. And it has been bastardized. And I, and I say that with such, people say, oh, that word sounds so harsh. You have to understand the, 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 some of the, the stories that you're going to hear from people in this, call to, in this call to action, it brought many of us to tears, you know, because there was a level of, we, got, we get it. You know, imagine being a Moroccan and not being good enough to teach class. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, you are what Moroccan. <laughs> By a white woman, you know, what the hell? How that's not even feasible to me that you would take someone from the culture and not they're not good enough to teach a class. You don't want to study with them. What are you? What's wrong? So it was a, it was really powerful um, for the panelists and for the lived experience to share their story. It was, you know, therapeutic in a way, because it was a chance to 
share in a safe environment without judgment. And the emotional release that they experienced, I think it transformed lives. For the panelists, and I hope for the, the white dancers that came, I hope they were transformed to do better in a community, in a culture, cultural dance. Um, I hope they were inspired to do better. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm really excited for people to, <laughs> to get into this from the bundle for that exact reason is, you know, to learn, to learn from these panelists and to listen, right? Because right. like, that's the problem I feel like is that this isn't a new issue, right? You've, you were saying it 30 years ago, right? Your dance teacher made a comment like that. This has been a problem for a really long time. And yet non-black dancers, right? White dancers don't listen when black dancers speak and tell us that this is what's happening. And I was watching um, the call to action and actually one of the um, women who was sharing her story, I danced in the same restaurant as she did. Wow. And I had no idea that that had happened to her, um, that her, like mm. that the restaurant owner had told her not to come back because she was mm. black. Like I had no idea, right? Wow. Because I'm in my privilege, right? Especially mm. then when I was like, 19 or 20, right? Like right. completely oblivious college student. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to hear that story and, and reassess my past based on that is, you know, it's like this tiny moment in that, in this call to action, that's already having that effect on me personally. And right. like, I want, I want more people to listen. Right. I, and I, I want them to listen and not only listen, but act, you know, within, yes. you know, the, the call to action, you will also give them action steps. It's in a PDF format that one can download to help them look at what we need, what we want, not what you want to give us. That's a whole nother piece of shit that pissed me off. <laughs> to be honest, I, there was someone that wrote in, oh, we, what can we do to uplift the black answers? It came from such, that statement still irks the crap out of me today because it was, it was from such a place of privilege. It was from a place of, we don't want to be uplifted. You know how ridiculous that sounds? Uplift. You guys are already answers. amazing. What kind of shit is that? Who would, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> it still hurts me. Can you tell? I'm like, uh, it still hurts me when I think about that, that, that comment that, you know, her post that she put out. Um, and we don't want to be uplifted. <laughs> this is not, we are not like, that's just such a, a master's mentality. Because let's be honest, the, the, you know, the generational legacy of enslavement definitely affected white people. And also affected black people, right? But it definitely affected white people, just you know, in another way, where you come from this privileged place, where you want to give us handouts. Like, I don't want a piece of the pie. I want the pie. Different. I will build my table. I don't want you to give me a piece of the table. It's a much different narrative. And so I stand, I stand on principle with that as a black dancer, working in this dance community, with that other young men and women 
can choose to dance in this art form from a place of honor and not from a place of a handout. It's much different. And so I hope that anything, this call to action inspires those that have the power in this dance form to do better. That's what we hope. I, I think that it will if people listen, right? And they look at that PDF and they, they sit with their discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy because they're not going to like it. But guess what? Tough shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said shit three times. No. Tough. You know, tough. You know, guess what? We have to live it. And it shows up in our bodies all over. It shows up in our mind, our body, our energy, our spirit. It shows up for us in ways that affects us as individuals in our body. This is 24-7 we live this as being Black dancers, Black people, Black women. We live this. There's not a day that I wake up that something or something doesn't remind me that I'm a Black. I'm tired, to be honest. I'm just flat out tired. I just want to wake up one day and just be old Nefertiti, old Doc Val doing her business and not being reminded that I'm a Black woman. At my age, I think, you know, I'm pretty much over it. And, um, and so I hope that with the discomfort that you can sit through this for, you know, I think it was two and a half hours, it's long. But don't fast forward through it if you buy it. Don't fast forward, you know, because you're uncomfortable. You know, you'll want to go get some water. You'll want to go get the TV and turn on Netflix. Be like, oh, I'll come back later. You'll get uncomfortable in the stomach. You'll get like fuzzy head. Your mouth will get dry. Your body will tell you this is uncomfortable. So you'll want to take care of yourself because you're not comfortable. And I'm going to invite you not to detach yourself from the call to action, stay with it, as uncomfortable as it may be. Back in with your body, but stay with it and get through it. It's not going to be easy to get through. And then take action. And then take action, right. And really take action and, and listen to those that made the suggestions for what they want and what they need, not what white women or white men are willing to give us. Much different there. So for people who perhaps can't purchase the bundle this year, right, and didn't get the call to action last July, what is, what is an action that you would urge people to take in this way, an anti-racist action that they can move forward with in, in their dance lives to, mm-hmm. to sit with this discomfort, to, to move past this unconscious kind of state that I think a lot of people live in, right? We just kind of accept what the world has taught us, whether or not it's true. And then we act based on that knowledge. How do we step back from that within the dance space and move forward in a way that is more human, like to, to be honest? So I, I think that's a really great question. And one thing that I would invite, and I'm gonna to speak to white dancers is you have to unpack your privilege in this art form. To see how, if you have been one of the individuals that have colonialized, yet again, colonialized (laughs) something, a dance form, a culture from Africa, right? Really, I mean, let's just go there. 
you have to unpack it and see where you have been, where you have co-mingled, where you've been culpable in what you've done to colonize this art form. And then you have to unpack it and do what's right. Now unpack it, I'm not, you know, that can mean a lot of things to you or to them or to you. It could mean looking at and understanding more diversity. It could look at thinking when you've had a black student come into your studio and for some reason within a couple of weeks, he or she is gone. You know, what did you say? Did you discount them because of the color of their skin? Oh, well, because there's a stereotype with black people that, oh, they're naturally rhythmic. You know, it's easy for them. And then the opposite stereotype for white women is that dancing is not natural that you have to learn it. I mean, we all live through the lens of stereotypes. And so those stereotypes that started from, you know, way before enslavement that we live into today, even now, have packed itself in our art form. And we have to look at it and really see, damn, as ugly as it is, what can I do better? You know, I've heard of, you know, of, of a dancer, you know, that's my, a white dancer that's basically monopolized a whole city, you know, that she's got to own belly dance lockdown that every event, everybody goes through her. You know, it's, it's time to do better. It's time that we really have to do better. So we have to, I think for white dancers, we have to unpack it and you might have to journal it out like, okay, I'm going to do better by doing this. What can I do from this call to action? How can I get diversity in my art form? Should I go back and, and have a diversity council on my troupe? How should I, if you have a troupe and all your dancers are white and you have this black dancer and they're all wearing nude shoes? Well, a nude for a white woman, a nude for me is totally different color, not nude. But if you, you procured it from one supplier, doesn't have my shade, I'm gonna look like a fool with light pink ballet slippers on. <laughs> a light pink belly cover that I have to dye. Those are things that you'll hear black dancers talk about. You know, um, hair. You know, we, you know, as, as a black women, you know, we don't want, I'm not gonna go into hair, but I'm talking about hair in the, the belly dance world. Right now, you know, there's, there's this beautiful emergence of natural for black women, finally, you know, not trying to straighten our hair to fit into the Caucasian mold. Mm -hmm. How do you do that in a troupe that's all white and their hair is, you know, a certain texture, but then I may choose to wear a big afro or I may choose to have dreads or locks or braids. And, you know, I've heard dancers say that the troupe instructor told them to take it out, but then you straight, can you get a wig? Can you get an afro? <laughs> Right? Right? Come on. Can you get an afro? Why should we change to fit into your mold? Right? So those are just some little things to really do, especially if you're, you know, if you run a troupe, which I run, I, I ran a troupe for years called the Molly Dance Company, I'm manager. And I was very conscious being a black troupe leader and all my troupe members were white that I did the opposite. But for me, I think because I'm a black woman and coming into it with the lens of not fitting in, I ensure that the white dancers fit in. 
it was natural for me to think about that. Like, okay, I'm looking for flesh colored shoes and I got to get some that are like pink because I had sourced out the darker ones so I could find some or I dyed them actually with tea. So those are some of the things that I think that you have to look at um, and, and understand, you know, the makeup, um, the, the belly covers, if you want to have your, your members wear belly covers, the shoes, you know, how to hold one's body. I mean, you know, there is this beautiful curvature uh, for, uh, you know, women of colors, but, and in this art form, I know my teacher who was white, way back in the day, you know, tilt your pelvis, you know, tuck your butt. Mm -hmm. Who says and why? Who says and why? Where did this, where did this come from? I think those are great questions across the board. Yeah. Where All the time. From? Yeah. Who says, why are you telling me to tilt my hiney up to my vajayjay? <laughs> because it's sticking out. It makes no sense. You're telling me to actually physically change my body, my hips, my pelvis top. Have you not seen the Egyptian dancers, the African dancers, the Moroccan dancers that those beautiful bums that are natural? I ain't seen a one yet tuck. Straight up. It's an excellent point. You're totally right. Where does this come from? And, and the damage is just done. I mean, even to my own hips and knees because I've come out of a natural line. I've tried to fit the white stereotype of, let me tuck my hind parts in. <laughs> so it can have, you know, I don't know why. Tell you the truth, I don't know why I did it. I just did it because my teacher said it. This is what you're supposed to do to protect your back. Well, it hurt my back, to be honest. And it hurt, we talk about this as black kids. It hurt a lot of our backs to naturally have to curve in our heinies to meet this, whatever the hell, wherever this came from. Maybe it's from ballet. I don't know. I don't do ballet. To me, ballet is not the wherewithal from all dance forms. It's not for me. It's I, don't, a, I don't do it. So It's such a European-centric way to look at dance. Yeah, it is. You know, and so that stereotype, that body type is what, I guess if you're a ballerina, that's what you're supposed to be and look like. I don't know. Like I said, I don't do ballet. But I know that that has carried in through our art form. You know, even online classes, I still see tuck your pelvis in, tuck it, you know, tuck that, tuck it in. And for some women and for some body types, it doesn't work. It doesn't. It hurts. Like why we should be teaching to everybody's body because everybody's body dances differently. Absolutely. What one person, you know, needs to have a natural spine is something totally different than someone else, right? If you sit at a computer all day, maybe you need to work more on lifting your shoulders back than somebody who naturally does that, you know, right. through their profession. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's, there's so many of these instances in our dance where I feel like what we take as normal isn't normal at all. It's just this weird standard. Like you said, who said it? Yeah. Why? And then how does it affect and like think as a teacher, how is it affecting people of different races with stereotypes? How is it affecting different body types? How is it affecting mm -hmm. people with disabilities? How can we be more inclusive across the board by changing right. the way that we think 
and about normal, quote unquote. Right. Exactly. And I think that, you know, for many teachers that teach belly dance, you know, oftentimes, you know, you're so anxious to share this beautiful art form that I know for myself, I had to go back and re-educate myself on body, you know, understanding body, understanding how the body moves, how it's connected, not just dance form, because you, as a teacher, you are physically working with someone's body. So it's not just teaching the dance form. You've got to, if you're going to do it in the right way, you've got to do it in the right way. And and you've heard these things that we say in belly dance, oh, someone takes, you know, dance, dancing for a year, they call themselves a master dancer and they go out and teach, right? Is that helping our craft or is it not? Probably not. And the same for dancers that's been dancing 15, 20 years, you know, understanding body, understanding, you know, that we're all different, you know, for somebody that has a bad knee like myself now in my you know, late 50s, I've got to, you know, I've got to dance a certain way now to protect my knees. So, and I, I really think it came from me having to angle my pelvis for so long from such a certain way that my pelvis is now, it's shifted. My, my left is higher than my right. It used to have to be that way. I think that really came, you know, in my mind's eye because the way I started dancing for so long, just for 30 some odd years, you know, that my body, I tilted it. I didn't have that care before. So I, I think we just have to be mindful and, and, and really understand and ask questions and due diligence as teachers, be inclusive and in understanding the isms and the stereotypes that we all live into in this art form. And that this art form does not belong to anyone except those of the culture. And we are guests and we are rude as shit in their house. Rude, absolutely freaking rude. I wouldn't invite you back if you came to my house acting like this. <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> rude. Nefertiti, thank you so much for your time. And, and also thanks to all of the panelists to the call to action who have agreed to you know allow the, the bundle to have the call to action as one of our lectures this year. I'm beyond thankful to all of you and the hard work that you've put in and the time and energy it just takes to live. I like, as a white woman, I don't have that. Right. And I, it's amazing what you and so many other people in the world go through on a daily basis just to exist. Yeah. You know, I, the word amazing, I don't even know if the word amazing fits. It's just no. the what so. It's just the what so, Tiffany. It's just the what so. We have to exist. And we have found, we forged a way to exist in a world that doesn't want us to exist. That has systematically destroyed our bodies and our minds and our emotions and our spirit. Systematically. But yet we rise. And we continue to rise. Thank you for rising. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So can you tell people who are listening who want to learn more from you, from the Belly Dancers of Color Magic group, where, where can they find you on the internet? Where's the best place to connect and continue the conversation? So um, I run a group on Facebook. It is um, Belly Dancers of Color Magic. 
And so it is only for black and brown and Asian dancers, dancers of color. I've had many come in there that were white passing and they are not approved in the group. It is for dancers of color. There has to be a safe space. Uh, so if you're a dancer of color, please, you are more than welcome all over the world um, to come into this safe space and share and be a part of a community that wants you and needs you and your voice matters. So that's first. That is for continued discussion. You will go to, um, and there is a, a metaphor, a, a, a change within the dancers, uh, belly dancer color magic group, where we decided based upon getting input from dancers of color, from dancers of the origin, that the name belly dance is a colonized belly dance. It's, it is, you know, and it's an ugly word. It's a really ugly word if you speak to um, some of our, our Moroccan Moroc moderators that speak around the word belly dance and what it means um, and the legacy that they spoke about when um, they were being colonized in France. And we opted to change that. So now you'll see it Manat Dancers of Color. That's what you'll see now. So we have a festival coming up. So it's at uh, manatdancersofcolor.com where you'll find us. And I think I will also, I think Tiffany's there a way for me to put all these links up. Someplace. Yes, I will have all of the links on the show notes page. So Good, in case I miss something or I don't give it right. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be links to everything. Thank goodness, because I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'm missing. Um, and the PDF, there'll be a PDF that you can download as well if you want to really take action and not just hear people talk about the situation but really want to make a difference. So I hope to see like you guys really download this um, all over the world and really be inspired to make change. So you can download that. Tiffany will have that link up for you as well. And you can also reach me at um, www.swancenter.com. That's with two ends. Again, the link will be up. And that's where you can reach me at um, where I talk a lot about human sexuality, research, science. And as a clinical sexologist, you have sexual concerns. They want to learn about um, belly dancing or anything like that, you can reach me there as well. Um, and I'll put all these links up so that you guys can have them. Uh, I think I probably forgot a couple. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited for people to get the bundle this year and to, to sit with this and to listen to the call to action. And like you said, download that PDF get get working on unpacking get working on making a change exactly and also you know um when you get the call to action because it's very important for me to say this that you know for myself and the panelists um and those that share their lived experiences their information will be there as well because they are in, an intrinsic part of this production so you will get to also see there are various links that you can reach out to them as teachers and educators and dancers that you can hire. Um, so there's gonna be a plethora of information for them that they can link, get hold of these panelists for more information as well. And I'm thankful that they let me do this. Thank you. Yes. I'm I'm thankful that you all have allowed it to be in the bundle. It's thank you. It's amazing. So I have one last question for you. We're gonna end on a on a humorous note. Okay, I'm ready. 
where is the strangest place that you have ever danced? It's so easy. Is it? It really is. All right. Give At a me. funeral. Yeah. I swear to God. <laughs> this is a true story. I got to tell you, it's funny. It, and it didn't happen too long ago either. I had, you know, like, like 10, 15 years ago, I danced at this couple's wedding and it was like their second, I think it might have been his third marriage and her second. Um, so they were an older couple and I danced at their wedding. And he just died uh, the beginning of September. And his wife reached out, was like trying to find me. And she found me and she's like, you don't remember me. And she told me, I was like, I remember you. I danced for their wedding. I danced for their, like, their, their grandkids. I, I mean, I've been with this family now for, for a few years, um, but he died. And she says he had asked, he had it written. I'm not sure what he died from. She did not disclose that you danced at his funeral. I'm like, really? <laughs> He's like, yes. And so I just did this like, like do pre, you know, COVID time in September. <laughs> I did at a funeral at a wake. And it was lovely. I, you know, I was like, all right, is there a color you want me to wear? He's like, can you wear red? I'm like, okay. All right. I mean, yes. <laughs> this is favorite color. I'm like, thinking black costume. Okay, whatever, you know? And it was, you know, they, it was, um, they did their big virtual thing because of COVID. And then I was invited back to their, to their, what do you call it? Their, their house or, I know it was a hall and it was all socially distanced out. And I performed um, at History Might as Wake and it was lovely, you know, and they had, you know, I was just like, this was, and I came out in the Shamadan. I don't know if that's even freaking appropriate, but I did it anyway. Don't get mad at me, people. <laughs> I love, girl, I, don't know. I love that well but see but you danced at their wedding like yeah. that's what I think is so cool about this particular story is that like you had danced for this family multiple times over the years mm -hmm. so it's like it's like a full circle kind of thing totally. with it totally full circle and it was absolutely lovely my, my husband's like this is the weirdest thing I think I've ever done I'm like <laughs> I'm like I don't even know what music to pick I don't even know <laughs> I already have anxiety around picking music and that would just ratchet me up. Like, <laughs> yeah, do I go gospel? Do I go, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> soft Christian, like gospel music? Do I go, I don't know, Pentecostal? I don't know. <laughs> but it worked out and they loved it. So, no, that's what I thank you so much for sharing that story and yeah. your experiences today. I appreciate your time so much. Um, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. Everyone who's listening, I hope that you listen right? And that we take action moving forward. Thank you so much for your time. Cause I know, you know, finding time to listen to podcasts is sometimes hard. So I appreciate your time and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. You Thank say bye. You. Bye. Thank you guys for listening. It's amazing. Thank you so, so much for getting this call to action. I'll see you in the virtual world. And someday I'll see you outside this virtual world. My love and hope. powerful and maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Like Nefertiti said, sit with that feeling and unpack it. 
Why are you feeling what you're feeling right now? It's beyond time that those of us with privilege begin to unpack that privilege and work to be better so that our community can become a safer and more inclusive space for everyone. If you missed the Belly Dancers call to action in the summer, you have a chance to watch it as part of this year's bundle. Or if the bundle isn't a good fit, it will be released again in the first half of 2021. I encourage you to go and follow the Manat Dancers of Color Magic page on Facebook to stay up to date on this and on any other events that Nefertiti and her team put together. Links to that and all the other websites Nefertiti mentioned are located in the show notes for this episode at thebellydancebundle.com slash 58. The bundle is on sale until October 28th, so please check it and all of our amazing classes out. And I'd like to add another task for you today. The next time that you're scrolling through social media, I want you to pay attention. How diverse is your feed? 